podcast where we discuss and explore everything we're living for and longing for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Olivia, welcome to the pod. Here we are again. It's the author special series, episode two. Who knew that we would get here so quick and so fast? I know. Um, it's really on an upwards trajectory and I'm loving that for us. So I think we should uh, just dive straight in. Uh, this week, we are very, very, very pleased to be joined, well, rejoined by a previous guest on the podcast, Laura Kay. Laura Kay is a writer and editor based in London. Last year, her first novel, The Split, was published in March. And a mere 14 months later, she is back with her second novel, Tell Me Everything. We're very excited to have her join us and be back on the podcast as we did cover The Split last year. So Laura, welcome back to Queer Longing. Thank you so much for having me. So Laura, other than um, writing a second novel within basically a year, what else, yeah. have, what else have you been up to? Let's fill us in because I think, have we ever had a returner? on uh, Queer Longing for is Laura, is Laura uh, our first? Yeah, I think you're our first return guest, which is an, uh, surely uh, an honour, we would hope. I am. I decided it's an honour. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's a huge honour. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, what else have I been up to? I mean, I, so I've, I wrote my second novel in uh, lockdown. Okay. So I was busy doing that. Um, up until just under a year ago I was still working full-time at an uh, unnamed newspaper and but uh, I quit which is amazing um I think I was still working there when I last spoke to you and so I've been writing full-time amazing and yeah what's that, what's that been like that sort of shift I mean I guess on one hand you must have felt wow you know all of this time but then when you sort of are given the thing that you want and there's no sort of barriers there between you doing that work was that a challenge what was I guess I guess what I'm what I wanted to ask was about the writing process for the second novel because you probably had a blueprint from having done the first one um, that you could sort of go off but then at the same time your circumstances would have been really different so how did you approach it the second time around now that you are a full-time fully-fledged author? Yeah so when I was writing book too I was still working full-time so working full-time and writing is kind of my sweet spot because okay. I work really well when I'm busy so the challenge has been the third book which I've written since uh, I quit my job because as you say there's no there's no structure I create my own structure and that has been really difficult mm. um because even if I, I think I have found that I'm working longer hours because I feel guilty enjoying my work um which is a slightly strange thing that I didn't necessarily expect um but it's good because it means I'm getting loads done um but it's been it's been a real challenge given that what are your sort of optimal um writing conditions now that you can sort of plan your day however you want do you have a certain way that it has to be I know some writers like to write in bed other people prefer lots of noise and lots of things going on in the background and because you and you know Lucy does writing as well and she was saying that she can't go and work in cafes and the sort of romantic view that you have of being a writer is that you can you know go and have coffees and be around a lot of people and you know create this amazing art but that's not been your experience has it's it not so for me. <laughs> yeah so I, I just wanted to know what your sort of a1 writing setup is yeah so I do I love going to work in coffee shops I like chatter around me and I love hearing what other people are doing um 
I don't get too distracted. Um, although people, now that I'm going and working in coffee shops during like, you know, full-time working hours, there are people that take like full like Britney mic, laptop, everything, and they conduct their actual entire working day from there as if it is an office. So that's like, you know, not perfect. Um, but I love working from coffee shops, um, hearing people chatter, but I have to do it in the morning. If I don't start work immediately, basically after I wake up, I won't work at all during the day. Like, I'll be like, oh, maybe I'll like go to the gym and do these other jobs. And then it gets like two o'clock and I'm like, perfect, perfect, like two till seven. And then it's like three, four, five. And then I'm like, wow, that's it really, isn't it? I'll just try again tomorrow. Um, so it's a real, I'm a morning person. Do you have to work in like complete silence, Lucy? Is that uh, your thing? No, I like to have like some music or something like that, but I yeah. have to be alone. I can be with like one or two other people in a space that isn't public. And if they're working as well, it's actually quite good. If I can hear somebody else like working, then I'm like, oh, I should be working. That's yeah. quite good. I just don't like being perceived. So I don't like doing it in public, basically. <laughs> So that's uh, it for me. It's just never that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um... <laughs> I think that takes us seamlessly onto the start of the podcast, Lucy, and to discuss our livings and longings for this week. I mean, you're living for never being perceived, so oh, I'm, I'm assuming that that's yours. Does. Look at me. <laughs> well, let's um, let's start with our guest and put it over to Laura Kay. So, Laura, what are you living and longing for this week? Okay, so I'm living for uh, the new season of Dairy Girls, which I am obsessed with and makes me so, so happy. Um, and also listening to the Dairy Girls soundtrack, which I was at a um, like birthday dinner at the weekend and someone was like, oh, Laura, do you want to put some music on? And I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I put the Dairy soundtrack on, which is just like 90s bangers. And I realised at one point we were like eating lunch and listening to like um, No Limits. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which is like a lot, you know, like for like a casual lunch. But a tune. Um, so yeah, Dairy Girls is what I've been living for. Nice. I heard that the cause is heavily featured in this new season. Is that right? Yeah, there is much cause, which actually um, is like brings up like a very special memory for me which is that um at secondary school there was an RE teacher who at every single opportunity she got to get up on stage at the whole school would sing the cause like what can I do to make you love me and it was like very sad and like yeah <laughs> dark and like it was like a buried memory until I saw it on Dairy Girls and I was like oh god I hope she's okay she was definitely, definitely some kind of love triangle or unrequited love situation with yeah. another teacher at the school. And that was like her moment to, you know, get her message across, yeah. I would say. Every year, it sounds like. <laughs> Every year. I would say twice a year, if possible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Okay. Very interesting. <laughs> really bleak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that is a perfect living for I've never watched Dairy Girl I've tried it but I need to try it again yeah I, I think I was in the wrong brain place when I yeah. brain place yeah, yeah that's fine when I, when I first tried to watch it 
but I would like to try again, especially if uh, No Limits is on the soundtrack because that's the first song on the first CD I ever owned. Really? Yeah, which was like a now, now that's, I don't know, whatever numbers there were for 32. Is that too high? Now that's what I call music 18 or something. Probably. Probably. I don't know. But it was that, it was that track. And I will always remember that. My first, <laughs> my first CD player. No, no limits. <laughs> no need for the sky. Tune. See, so, <laughs> okay. It'll be a full circle moment for you. That'll be very nice. <laughs> yeah. And so um, what are you longing for this week, Laura? Um, I am longing for uh, going to see Muna next week, Ooh. along with every single lesbian in London, I think. Have you seen Muna before? No, I never have. Oh, we have went you... a few years ago. Yeah, we did early adopters, early adopters <laughs> of Muna. Oh, nice. Were they good? They were, they were good. They were really good. Yeah, um, lots of energy. Oh, yeah that sounded tentative were they well, not that good no no they, they, they were good but sometimes <laughs> what happens is I think something is very very gay um yeah. and actually I think that it will be more gay now because it's yes. it's been established yeah. in in this in that in the canon in the canon but I think back then it was very much like when we do you remember when we went to see Angel Olsen when yes. Angel Olsen just came out and I was like oh this is gay yeah and then we went and it was like loads of like 55 year old straight men yeah. Steve, like Steve, 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 Steve Music as we call them um <laughs> So there were loads of like, there were loads of Steve Musics there. Yeah. And we were like, oh, it's one of those gigs. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's fine, but it's like just a different vibe, isn't it? But um, I think you are completely right. As Lucy mentioned before, in the Silk Chiffon era, mm. um, it will be an inherently queer experience. Uh, will you be wearing a Silk Chiffon dress? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. They'll be giving them out on the door, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Perfect. Do you know, I'll just very quickly, interestingly, both of those instances, the Angel Olsen and the Moona gig, mm. both in the same venue. So maybe it's the venue that's not queer enough. Maybe. Yeah. That, <laughs> it, could, it could be, but I saw Angel Olsen too in a Polish working men's club in Brooklyn and it was so straight. It was so, so straight. Really? Um, yeah. Venue, yeah, it does. I, that's like my dream kind of venue. Love a it was a, like it was like very bright you know oh. like I feel like there was lots of Polish working men there who, <laughs> and then the gig was happening incidentally to their sort of evening Amazing. it was strange yeah please please can um please can that scene be written into your next book I feel mm. like that just being in your mind just is a waste yeah it? So yeah it needs to be weaved into something for sure you're right yeah that's my my humble request um so Lucy over to you what are you living and longing for this week so I am doing a joint living and longing as is my want sometimes um so weekend is the stag do of my very good friend Fred um and I'm going on the stag I've been on the hen for the hen already so I get to do both which is stunning love that for me and um yeah even more so living for just like hanging out and doing stag things but also my very best friend from uh, who now lives in Canada and who I haven't seen since before the pandemic and some months before that is coming back for it so I cannot wait to see him and to like just you know be with like mates in a in a situation you haven't been hasn't been like all of us in one place for a long time so that will be really really nice and I can't live all long for anything else Aww. so yeah that is what I am living along for short and sweet and uh, earnest but sometimes you know Every now and then a little bit of earnest. A one, tiny bit. One time a year. One, one earnest a year. 
and that's mine done so um yeah <laughs> olivia what are you living alone for um well this week i am living for um well it was actually something that happened last night and i went to go and see hedwig and the angry inch oh. um which was Davina. Davina. Oh. and when i tell you oh. when i tell you you are not ready <laughs> you are not ready for Davina's performance it's hedwig oh um so i did not realize the breadth the depth, the scope of Davina's talent. Really? Until I saw her as Hedvig. Like, it was unreal. It was unreal. And what made it even more special, with, it's, it's very much like, I guess if you go and see this show, it's a bit like going to see Rocky Horror. Like, there's a sort of um, cult around it and everybody sort of knows the words and it's, it's a very sort of affirming space. Yeah. But Davina worked hard for the money. She absolutely... <laughs> just pounded that stage really? for like I can see that for her two hours no breaks Amazing. flawless so funny no breaks no intermission nope no no intermission club another club don't improve it now because yeah there was but but actually it was fine because sometimes because you know how we would say like um we are always thinking about how we're enjoying a thing but also when it's going to end I like wasn't doing that with this because and which is like a rare thing for me because even if I am really enjoying something loads I'm always like slightly self-conscious about like the timings of things but um I just thought it was amazing so I am a hundred percent living for that and Davina if you're listening absolutely stunning from you absolutely stunning and um my sure long- i'm sure she is and um i'm tentatively longing my tentative longing this week is that i am longing for um my first forays back into camping since about 2008 olivia taylor in a tent <laughs> you heard it here first oh you heard it here first where are you going well i think i think we'll go somewhere that's quite local so probably like just the, in case you need to bail yes exactly <laughs> doing a doing a soft launch, soft launch shall we say of me in a tent because i'm working my, my way up to a festival in july oh, course, so yes. um i'm trying to kind of you know build up my camping callus yeah, as it yeah, were yeah, yeah, yeah. um until systematic desensitization exactly yeah. exactly and this is um this is a camping site if it's the if it's the one that we decide to go to um that's in like bakewell and it has you know like um a, a nice shop and like um a, a wood-fired pizza area and that's what I feel like I need from camping like I want to I want to have my like Neapolitan pizza on hand yeah. um before I sort of really get at the cold face of nature yeah I think that's the right way to do it and yeah. I wish you both all the luck in the world <laughs> <laughs> thank you maybe I'll vlog it I'll vlog it for you oh my god please vlog it <laughs> live vlog it like a bear, bear grills slash um, Blair Witch <laughs> <laughs> diary entry just bear for Witch. you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yes, those are my um, livings and longings. Um, but back to Tell Me Everything and Laura Kay. So we absolutely gobbled up Tell Me Everything. As you know, I laughed, I cried several times. Truly the whole gamut of emotions was experienced while I was reading this book. And I wondered if you could kind of give, imagine, um, you know, you were sort of explaining this book. Well, don't imagine, you could do it if you don't mind. I'm sure she has um, as well. <laughs> you know, a, a couple of sentences to sort of wet the whistle, I suppose, and let people know what they can sort of expect. Set them up for Tell Me Everything, if you don't mind. Of course. I actually have a couple of sentences uh, prepared because I can't elevate a pitch on the spot. I've got no idea what my book's about. Um, Tell Me Everything 
It's about therapist Natasha, who lives in Brighton with her ex-girlfriend. From the outside, she appears to have her life together, but when her ex gets engaged and her estranged dad reappears on the scene, it all begins to fall apart. It's a story about love in all the forms it takes and about shame and the way it shapes us. Aww. Perfect and a very good summary of the book, obviously. Uh, you would Thank know. you so much. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, we would love if you would give us a little uh, excerpt from the book now and give people a bit more of a taste for what is in store. Yes. I'm going to read a little bit from the prologue. See, Georgia says, it was worth the walk, wasn't it? She picks up a peach from the picnic basket in front of us and takes a bite. The juice dribbles down her chin. I might lean forward and wipe it off, but instead I sit back and watch her, pink from our walk in the sun, sleeves rolled up on her white t-shirt, cross-legged with her trainers kicked off. I smile, despite not really believing it was worth the three hours and severe sunburn it took for us to get here. It was, I say. She sticks out a foot and nudges me gently in the thigh. You're not even looking at the view. I take my sunglasses off my head and make a show of putting them on, as though they're my actual glasses and I need them in order to properly see. I plan to say something silly, but actually, the view is spectacular. Green rolling hills and far in the distance, sparkling onto the blue skies, the sea. It's lovely, George, honestly. Has it made up for a weekend with my family? We've been staying with George's parents for the long weekend, and though they've been nothing but lovely to me, it's felt like the longest weekend of all time. Despite being in the countryside with nothing but miles and miles of fields between us and the rest of civilization, I've spent the past few days feeling increasingly claustrophobic, longing to be back in Brighton. This weekend away was something I agreed to months ago when we were lying in bed together and Georgia was propped up on one arm leaning over me. In that moment, I'd have said yes to anything she asked. My vague feeling of unease was so quickly dismissed, went so easily unanalyzed. This trip was something someone else would have to deal with in the future, but here I am. Georgia lobs her peach stone into the distance and comes to lie beside me. She smells like sun cream. I think she's developed a hundred more freckles since we left the house this morning. That might take some more making up actually, I say. Really? Georgia turns onto her side so she's facing me and slips her hand under my t-shirt, tracing lines on my stomach. I can feel that I'm sticky with sweat around my waistband, but I don't stop her. Can you believe it's been a year, Georgia says. No, I say, I can't. Us having been together for a year is Georgia's favorite topic of conversation recently. It's the longest relationship I've ever had, and she sees it as a personal accomplishment. A year of us, Georgia says. I turn to look at her. I hate those sunglasses, she says. I can't see your eyes. I sit up a bit, resting on my elbows. I leave my sunglasses on. Shall we open the wine, I say. I set about attempting to dislodge the cork while Georgia screws stems to the plastic wine glasses her parents insisted we brought with us. Cheers, I say, tapping my glass to hers. To a year together, Georgia says. Just as I've taken a sip, she adds, and to many more. The wine sticks in my throat. It tastes sour. I pick up a bottle of water and take a few large gulps. Georgia doesn't appear to notice my discomfort. <laughs> and there's so much more where that came from. So many, so much more to go, so much more to experience from Tell Me Everything. But hopefully that gets people excited um, for what is to come. So um, I wanted to ask the, the split, your first novel, as it is so aptly named, deals with a huge kind of life-altering breakup for the main character, starting again, and sort of growing into the adult that you want to be, really. Um, and it's this sort of reckoning that I think is a theme that's common to both novels, but it's interesting that you chose to write this one from the perspective of someone that we all think is, you know, supposed to have it all figured out. So in this instance, it's a therapist. Um, was therapy something that you wanted to 
explore first and foremost in the novel or did the fact that Natasha is a therapist sort of come later? No, I knew that I wanted the protagonist to be a therapist right from the off. Um, I have always been interested in the idea of what is going on um, in the background of someone's life. So if um, if you've ever been to therapy, so I've been in therapy before, and you you just this get is a queer podcast, Laura. <laughs> this is a queer podcast. I was, I was, I was I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I felt comfortable assuming then. Uh, oh yeah, obviously. Um, uh, so you just get this very like one-sided. Uh, they're just like a sponge for you for you. Um, and if you've ever asked a therapist like how they're doing or how their weekend was, you get an answer like. I'm fine or yes good or like I wonder why you're <laughs> so interested in my weekend or like why are you asking me that so much um and um I I know a lot of therapists um like as friends not as uh, <laughs> you know people in my staff um and um I have just I'm just so I know what's going on in their lives um and how their clients might have no idea of what's really going on sort of behind the curtain as it were and I just thought that would was such a great start for a character um um, and it sort of all happened from there yeah I can see why it would make sense to choose to put a therapist in a more sort of vulnerable position and like you say lift that curtain and explore you know the reality that these people are real flawed human beings and we certainly see that in the book as the sort of um protagonist trajectory goes along yeah and speaking about um I wanted to say that I noticed that there's sort of a running theme of speaking of being vulnerable of Natasha like not being able to kind of fully give herself over to the experiences in her life um and kind of having this fear of like losing control which ultimately controls her and I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about the sort of theme of control within the book and how without spoilers it felt to take your character along a journey to potential self-acceptance that's a really good question um the theme of control yeah I think um I knew that I wanted to write about someone who was like very tightly guarded um she despite um sort of living the kind of life where she seems like she's like having loads of fun and maybe she's a bit wild maybe she's a bit of a party girl like whatever um that is as you say like all um done with like uh like a very particular mindset which is that no one can get too close she was not going to get too close to anybody else and her life as it is 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 never going to fundamentally change um and I think the book starts off without any spoilers with a certain set of relationships and they're in various states of um either you know they're working well or they're a bit broken uh, or Natasha feels a certain way about them and those are the same set of relationships that exist at the end of the book but in various states like different or not or whatever um and I think that Natasha's control over every single situation um the way she feels about it and ultimately like what action she is able to take or what happens to her um yeah it was like a really like careful balancing act but my my key thing was that those relationships that exist at the beginning existed at the end um and 
I suppose there is only so much control one person can have over that. Oh no! <laughs> That's a, that is true, but uh, I think because I found that like. Um, <laughs> oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's not what I was expecting to hear at the end of that. It's you say controls on what can happen over a situation because I don't. I, yeah. Saw myself in that like yeah. element of her character. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Exposing myself again. <laughs> Here we go. But, um, no, but I thought that that was. Um, dealt with very uh, deftly um, without any spoilers yeah uh, it is uh, fun to have like that sort of cyclical, mo cyclical moment of like same relationships but in different states and how they are at the beginning at the end definitely um, done very well really enjoyed that yeah and I think as well it's interesting because um, Natasha is sort of similar age to the three of us and a lot of these relationships she's had have, have been through sort of her early adulthood and her formative years and I think that plays a huge part in this and you know yes it's learning that she sort of needs to let go of control but it's also through age and experience and sort of meeting different people and sort of broadening her um mindset that she's able to sort of come to some certain conclusions without giving anything away but um yeah I thought that that was very interesting and incredibly relatable for this sort of season of life yes <laughs> no, yeah no, I just found it very relatable <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the split takes place largely in Sheffield, which is everybody knows is where we went to uni, where you went to uni. So location wise, impeccably researched. And, um, you know, you know everything there is to know about Sheffield when you've lived there for such a long time. That really comes through in the first um, novel. This time, though, we see the protagonist, um, Natasha, head to L.A., where some pretty defining events ensue. So could you talk about why you wanted to take that main character outside of her home and her sort of home setting and what she knows and put her in completely new surroundings and what was that like for you as a writer to write a location that maybe you were less familiar with and what was the process around that um I did read in the um bit at the end that you did a little bit of um a research trip so I wondered if you could talk about that yeah so I mean there's two reasons there's one sort of authorly reason which is that I wanted to take the character out of her comfort zone chuck her into somewhere completely new where she had no sort of reference points points no touchstones no um no one that to like go and have a drink with or go and have a coffee with and and um she's just completely like on her own um with her feelings and with the situation that she's in. Um, and that felt really important. Um, on the other hand, uh, I was writing this book in lockdown and I wanted to write about going really far away. Um, and so it was really uh, like escape for me uh, in many ways. Uh, the previous year I had been to LA uh, and um, been out to Joshua Tree, which is also featured in the book. And I just really wanted to write about it a lot. And I knew that she had to be taken to some faraway place. I knew that uh, without spoilers, there needed to be an element of something is being far away. And it felt kind of perfect to me and there's so much uh in the book in Brighton it's it's all set in a heat wave and sort of like the oppressive heat and that sort of feeling of um you know it not being 
dark until really late and everyone still being out and trying to like um deal with this this heat wave is like all part of it and I really wanted to extend that to the the trip and the being close to the sea and um yeah extend that whole feeling so it felt like a good a good match yeah definitely I liked how it like um LA in some ways you know being by the coast being very hot was mirroring those things about their homescape but like it was it was something different and it is like a new place and it made me even more than I already want to like be in California because what a dream place to be um and I uh I actually specifically loved so this is a bit of a silly question but uh, why not you know um I I loved that you had Natasha take herself to um the local supermarket after a stressful encounter something I can highly relate to I love to go to the supermarket to reset um (laughs) to you know find find what I need in the aisles um sure. and find what you need in here <laughs> in the aisles of my heart yeah exactly <laughs> um and yeah also obviously nothing like a supermarket and there's nothing like a holiday supermarket now yeah. we've talked about holiday supermarkets a lot and one of the things that we love to talk about in a holiday supermarket is a holiday crisp I was very pleased oh there was a lot of mention of the holiday crisps in the book um I I wanted to ask um that if you could only the rest of your life have one flavor of crisp what would it be this is actually easy because I I have recently um been to visit my friend in Stockholm and in Sweden they're all about dill crisps which a dill crisp just I love a dill crisp and it's just not a thing here. I think that I have found them once in like a Romanian supermarket. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's it. So dill crisps. Yeah, easy. perfect. Love a dill crisp. Yeah. I get them from my local Polish supermarket. So if you're ever, you know, in Manchester, I can put okay. dill crisps, but um, please, yeah. I love a dill crisp. And I, I love when people have, I feel like quite a lot of people, people either are like, oh, I could never choose or people have a very distinct answer. Like mine mm-hmm. is, Mine is salt and vinegar till the day I die. Like, fine, yeah. I, I, I can't live without salt and vinegar crisps. So, like, that would be mine. What would yours be, Liv? I, I the thing. So, oh. my, probably the the crisp that I consume the most is salt and vinegar, and mm. I do love salt and vinegar. Yeah. So that's very much up there. But I suppose if I had to think of one crisp to to rule them all. Um, it would be so you know that crisp that you get on holiday that's like a very fine crinkle. Yeah. Um, and it's like um, it's like sour cream and onion, Ugh, those yeah. ones. Yeah. And it's like really thin, and the crinkle is like so tight. Mm. Oh, that tight crink. That tight crink, <laughs> exactly. And so you're having your tight crink with like your little stubby out on the balcony, and um, that is <laughs> that is my crisp of choice. I I, I would say. Yep, we all can agree with that. That is a dream. I can't wait for that sort of scenario. I mean, uh, yeah, reading your book, it being in LA, I felt very like taken away for a for a moment, which was nice because um, I haven't been abroad in so long, and I was like, oh yeah, to be to be having that tight crink on the belt. Yeah, to be having like a, a packet of Lay's and like a diet snapple. Oh, stop it. Yeah, yeah. go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So from crisps to self-discovery, Laura. So um, in, in naturally a, a natural yeah. segue, um, in both of your books, we see the protagonists go on this sort of voyage of self-discovery. Both are lovable characters, but both, as we've said before, are flawed. We see them stumble through some pretty hairy situations. Um, 
But I guess if you had to have a reader take one thing away, so a lesson or an idea from Tell Me Everything, what would it be? Um, It would be that you don't have to let your shame or other people's ideas about you define you. And that um, despite whatever circumstances you might find yourselves in, you can choose to find happiness and you deserve it. Those would be the lessons. Not us crying on our own podcast. Never that. Oh, not that. Not oh, again. Yeah, that's that is a just brilliant. another. Oh no. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, I really tried that time not to. <laughs> Brash. But um, truly, 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 the perfect answer. And um, having having read the book, I think that you know that that is perfect. And um, one of the things that I was interested in asking you, um, and I think I might have asked this last time. I think you did in your mind's eye because I'm dead interested in this. So mm-hmm. when when you're writing the book is it like do you see the main character before you write them are they in your mind's eye are they a character that you're sort of like pulling out visually and making them come to life or do how they sort of look and behave and all those sort of tiny micro um sort of mannerisms does that all come later or is it like you might see a person out and about or in that coffee shop and you think that's the person who's my protagonist or they're in my mind's eye so that's sort of question one, but related to that is who would play Natasha in the movie version of Tell Me Everything? Oh my goodness. Okay, so the answer to number one is easy. Yes, I I have the characters fully formed and the characters for me are the easy bits. And then I feel like I could write them in any scenario. So then it's trying to narrow down where I put them, mm. what I do with them and what story I want to tell. Um, so yes, Natasha is fully formed and I feel like the, well, for me, the key to writing, uh, a good story is knowing the character so well that I could like, feel like I could go out for a drink with them and know what they'd say and what they're up to and, you know, everything about their family and their childhood and everything. So I feel like that's very fully formed in terms of who would play her. I would have to think about that. I'm absolutely rubbish at this. You know, I can, I can, I can, because I I feel like I know her so well. I'm not sure I can give her to someone else. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I'm always terrible. And if anyone ever goes like, oh, who do you think would play them in a thing? Or like, blah, blah, blah. I'm always like, like, I can't, like, I can't think of anything. Like, I just, I'm so bad at like pulling names from a hat, I think as well. Like, even if anyone ever, I think once like on the pod a few months ago, you asked me like, it was when, Philip Schofield came out and you were like who would who would your dream like Philip Schofield's boyfriend be oh yeah, yeah and I, I was like I can't think of any but like, the only name I can't think of anything I just was like in my head it was just going like Tom Daly Tom Daly Tom Daly and like that's just like me thinking yeah a gay man like, <laughs> like not that's not good enough like that's yeah. not fun but yeah totally understand yeah them, but it's hard to hard to think of that right we need to bring a casting director in and we need to <laughs> ask them these questions after they've read tell me everything um absolutely, absolutely. yeah absolutely so um we wanted to ask you um if you're reading anything else at the moment that you'd like to recommend any other queer lit that you have been sinking your teeth into queer or not queer but um any good lit that you've been reading yes um i have i've read loads so there's a couple of books that are coming out soon that um I've read that I absolutely loved. So there's a book called 
just by looking at him by Ryan O'Connell, who actually wrote and starred in Special, which is a Netflix series. And it is so good. Like it is one of the funniest books I've ever read. Um, just like so sharp, so brilliantly written. I, I just loved it. So that, I think that actually that comes out um, on the same day as Tell Me Everything, 26th of May. Um, and um, there's another book that I absolutely love that's coming out in June called Double Booked by Lily Linden um who is someone I have been paired up with for loads of events in the summer because we are both queer women and we've both written books so you know <laughs> match made in heaven yeah, it tracks. match made in heaven 100% um and it's really really funny it's a rom-com about a um woman who discovers that she is by when she's with her long-term boyfriend and how she navigates that new journey for herself and it's really really funny um really really sort of astute and I loved it those sound great very good yeah books. and I absolutely loved special so I'd be really keen to oh, read that so book good. I thought it was such a good series have you have you watched I, d- I couldn't get on with special but oh. I, I do really like Ryan O'Connell though like I like I've seen like his other writing and he, he's always been very good on Twitter um and I've enjoyed that so maybe that's the format I would in- enjoy enjoy more. him yeah enjoy him him <laughs> I'm actually the same like I didn't enjoy like special wasn't for me either Mm. and but the book just got me so good good I'm I'm very very intrigued by that we will definitely um be looking into those for sure and they sound good um yeah uh so thank you so much for talking to us about uh tell me everything um and we have really enjoyed hearing all your insights about it um now in the book itself there is a sort of running theme of the character's loving to listen to Magic FM, um, yeah. obviously, which I loved. And I loved all the like pulls of the songs that you you took from that. So um, I know that you have been on the pod before um, and uh, we do a running segment of track of the week. So I was wondering if you could let us know what your track of the week is. So my track of the week is from Miley Cyrus's new live album, which is um, We Can't Stop slash where is my mind which is so fucking good like I I hadn't listened to any of this but I love Miley I am a huge Miley fan and this that whole album is amazing but that track I can't stop <laughs> uh, I can't stop playing <laughs> uh, we like that very good <laughs> that, was, that was not very good but uh yeah that is my track of the week yeah, that album absolutely bangs. My boss put it on in yeah. uh, in the office on uh, Tuesday and uh, we all had a very good time listening yeah. to that. It's absolutely great. I truly believe that her voice just gets better and better. I, I, I actually saw her a few years ago when I went to see the Graham Norton show for work. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And <laughs> she was the guest and she um, sung it. Do you remember that that song that she did um, with Mark Ronson where she's like on top of the car? Yes. Um, yeah. So she sung that. Nice. And um, she had to do some sort of sound checks at the beginning. Flawless. Mm. Flawless. She just has it. And, and like her speaking voice. And the strength singing. of her oh, voice. I love it. The depth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We live for the depth. We yeah. love the depth. Um, yeah, no, that is a great one and very like um, queer longing as mm. well. So w- very good one to add to the list. Thank you for that. Liv, what is Thanks. yours? Mine, um, unsurprisingly, after my living for, it is from Hedvig. So um, it is the first song that they 
do, which is called Tear Me Down. And I thought um, at the moment it was very apt. It's, you know, a call to arms. It's this idea that, you know, about refusing to be taken down by external forces, politics, and it feels incredibly apt um, because of the news discourse at the moment and um, the, the world TM. So um, I just felt that that chimed very well with me. Um, so that's my track of the week. Yes, that's great. Um, I haven't seen Hedwig in like so long. I remember when I first watched it being like, whoa, and like so great. Um, so uh, definitely we'll be listening to that now that you've mentioned it again. So I chose a song, um, which I'm listening to recently on repeat, which I thought would be a perfect um, like road trip song to, if you were say driving out to Joshua Tree. Um, so I thought that it would fit well. And this is a new song from the new album by Hatchie called The Rhythm. And it's just like big swooning, 80s adjacent like beats, synthy, dead fun, kind of sounds like um, a song that would be on the soundtrack of like, a teen matrix movie if there were a teen matrix movie which there, there should, be. should be there should be and would be probably my best movie of all time <laughs> so a tmtm that as well yeah, yeah I'm, I'm writing it i'm writing it um and this is going to be the main song on it so that is the rhythm by hatchy lovely um, so the question on everybody's lips, Laura, are you writing another book and what can we expect from you in um, in the near future? I know you've got some um, dates planned where you'll be um, going around the UK telling everybody about telling me everything. So if you could talk a little bit about that. Yes. So I am, uh, yes, I'm writing, I'm working on something new and it is uh in the same vein so more of the same if you're a fan of the split and i'll tell me everything then um and over the summer i am basically going on tour i've got loads and loads of events planned um in london brighton manchester leeds birmingham uh i think that might be it actually um and a couple of festivals which is really exciting um so yeah keeping busy amazing that is great and um we have just realized we've we've missed a very important segment i mean obviously we absolutely agree with you going on tour living your best life writing all the time we love it we're very very happy for you but there are some things that you know and and we definitely know that uh really get get our goat i always say that and i don't know if that is the phrase yeah that is a oh, phrase, it is a phrase. Thank yeah you. I, th- I think every time i say it i look to you and go oh, no, 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 like 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 you can say oh that really gets my goat yeah okay well the goat the goat has been got um and uh it is now time for i don't agree with it so laura you've done it before you're back it's time to do it again please tell us something that you do not agree with unless of course you've been not annoyed by anything in the oh, past yeah. year which you know it's been a very pleasant time so yeah. <laughs> okay so um this was actually uh it was hard to narrow down <laughs> but i think uh, the actually the thing in the, in the whole of the past year that's annoyed me the most is um i don't know if have you have you watched gentleman jack yes but i i've only watched episode 1 of the new season okay okay so anyone who's watched gentleman jack will probably get this um every time Anne Lister looks directly to camera, fleabag style. It goes straight through me (laughs) and it turns my stomach and it makes me feel physically sick. So 
that I just don't I just don't agree with it yeah. um yeah so you, do you get the ick with just breaking the fourth wall in general or is it just this specific no. okay it's that specifically this yeah duration of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think it's that I I want I want so much to lean into Gentleman Jack I want to you know it's Saran Jones um I, I want to really like get into fancying and Lister basically but I think the character as a whole gives me the ick. Yeah. <laughs> the whole vibe, her whole vibe gives me the ick. Her when she releases her hair from her ringlets at the end of the day, I I can't cope. I and I I I want to I want to like it so much, and then it's just so long, and <laughs> there's just so it's just like <laughs> she's she's wearing like a, a a gown, and then she'll like and Walker will say something, and she'll look like right at the camera and it ruins my day so um yeah I I could not agree more yeah. Anne Lister okay. um is is unfortunately a very unfanciable character which is really upsetting because yeah. on paper all the ingredients yeah. are there um right? but yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't successfully translate whereas you know um uh, Saran Jones in what was it called Vigil oh yes oh, yeah. absolutely on that submarine so we figured out the context is key and maybe you know she just um is it something to do with the top hat I don't know well yeah well I I found the the character so um uh sick inducing um sickness inducing that I I haven't touched the second season I didn't even finish the first (laughs) and I think well I think as well what's interesting about Gentleman Jack is um is that Anne Lister is ostensibly a misogynist like Mm. the way that she treats women as you know um objects and sort of all sort of moves them as as pawns in this big game of chess that is like the life of Anne Lister and that is very unappealing um to me (laughs) and and sounds like to you as well so I think I think I think there must be something in that um Whereas I was very pleased that um, Saran Jones and that other one got to like move to that cottage in the Cotswolds and have a dog at the end of Vigil. That was nice. Oh, Saran Jones and Game of Thrones. What's her name? You know. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. One. Gorgeous. Yeah. Do you? Isn't that um the, the, the cop one, the police one, with the cottage at the end? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the one, the one. Line What's of Duty. Oh, like mate, yeah, that, that's what happened in Line of Duty. Yeah. But then in the end of Vigil, a very similar. Oh. A, okay. a similar right. thing happened where she was like oh sorry for when I was like being rude to you before I went on the submarine right. we're going out again and then it was fine okay yeah absolutely I totally agree with your I don't agree with it very good very Perfect. strong um oh. what are you not agreeing with this week Lucy mine is um very silly um but I do think it's something that uh, speaks to all of us um, hopefully, I feel I feel like this is quite a universal hate, hated thing, mm. a thing that people just don't quite. I just don't quite understand. Like I don't understand the thought processes, and that it happens in so many different places, and no one has stood up and gone, "Why are we doing this? We shouldn't be doing this." Mm. And that is when you're at a cafe, and obviously you go to cafes a lot. Maybe this is something that uh, mm. you you encounter uh, on a regular basis, and I feel sorry for you. It is that's when they serve you a cake with on a an acid. Yes! <laughs> I was poised because I knew that's what you were going to say. I hate that. I hate that. Why is it on a napkin? On the plate, then the napkin, then the cake. What are you doing? Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. What we need is 
cake, napkin underneath, maybe napkin. Of course, yeah. Like a napkin, napkins at the counter. Yeah. We don't need plate, uh, napkin, cake. Yeah, and then you're like getting your fork involved in the cake, and then it's like making contact with this napkin. Yeah. No. Well, you know, you're like eating a bit of napkin, or you're messing up the napkin, so the napkin isn't doing anything. Yeah, and the napkin cannot be used for its original and only purpose. Yeah, but, but I don't, I don't think people understand what the purpose is of the napkin because they're doing this with it yeah like, i don't know what the idea is and of that. It, is it, it to like no save their washing up yeah but they're still gonna have to wash the plate because yeah. of uh you know health and safety yeah. standards uh you know hassle i feel but like I it's just... one of those things where like someone's seen someone do it and they've just copied it without thinking yeah this is what i mean like and it's, it's gone around the world this has gone on for far too long we need to speak <laughs> up against this when you talk you talk about a call to arms <laughs> this is what we need to be talking about <laughs> No more cakes on napkins. I'm sorry. Here, here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying something. That's really, that feels good. Perhaps it would be interesting, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, that is extremely weird. I wonder if uh, if there's anyone who listens, who works in a coffee shop or a cafe, who's putting cake on napkins, if they could explain why, because maybe there's something we're missing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think everyone's just so indoctrinated into this being... You, it's the just... The way of napkins in a cafe. Sure. That I don't yeah. That they probably don't think... They probably don't question it. And, and yeah, we all need to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> no, and they should. They we're should. Yeah. blow a lot of people's minds this episode. <laughs> so get <Yeah>. ready. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that is what I don't agree with. I'm really glad I got that off my chest. Oh, and uh, was... off my plate. Yeah. Um, but yes... <laughs> Both of those were extremely satisfying. They were, weren't they? Really feel, good. Feel very, feel very cathartic. Um, Olivia, are you going to deliver as well? We're going to be shouting about yours. <laughs> I don't think mine is like sort of like scratching that same itch mm. in the same way, but I feel like I feel like you'll like get what I'm saying. So mine, mine comes from actually a place of positivity. Oh. Um, but it's 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 imagining. Um, right, I'll just tell you what it is. So my I don't agree with it is I don't agree with men not crying. <laughs> I like that very good yeah I know what you mean so they should cry I had this very so again going back to Hedwig I had this this very emotional experience when I was watching the show and one of the reasons why was not really about watching the show it was about watching the audience right so there were a lot of older I I assume queer men at this event and they'd all come together we all went to the restaurant before they were all having their dinners together they all came in these big groups they were laughing they were like waving their arms in the air they were crying and they were mouthing all of the words and singing along and this sort of outward display of emotion in this sort of real positive way from big groups of men was so nice yeah because whenever you because I think I think we get so used to sort of seeing these big emotional outbursts as being you know unfortunately negative things or sort of acts of aggression or acts of violence and so to see all of these men share in this collective experience, which was really around the bonds that I'm thinking that they've had over years and these sort of friendships and relationships. And then we're sort of talking about like the first time they ever saw the show and, you know, being really emotional and quite vulnerable in a public way made me feel so nice. And I was just thinking, you know, what would a world be like if men cried all the time? Oh, 
Um, so I don't agree with men not crying because they need to cry more so that we can all have a nice time and watch Hedwig and the Angry Inch together and just flail our arms in the air and have a nice time. So that is what I don't agree with. And I agree with what happened last night. Basically. Yeah, that is lovely. Love to see a collective bit of joy. Love that. And you are very correct that what men need to do is definitely cry more. Uh, and it would if only they'd been crying from the beginning, maybe, maybe wouldn't be in the situation we're in now. But uh, yes, that is a very, what what a trio of I don't know, I agree with it. I am so pleased with all of those. <laughs> They're going on the tea towel for sure. Absolutely going on the tea towel. Um, so thank you so, so much, Laura, um, for joining us. Can you remind people, first of all, of where they can find you and remind them um, of when they can get their hands on Tell Me Everything? Yes, so I'm on Instagram at Laura E. K. I'm on Twitter at Laura Eliza K. All of the events that I'm doing are up on my website, which is laurakauthor.co.uk. And Tell Me Everything is out on the 26th of May. You can pre-order it now. It's available from all good bookshops. Flawless. Um, we, um, it's been an absolute pleasure um, for you to join us for the second time, Laura. We really, really appreciate it. And as Laura has mentioned, um, the book is out at the end of the month. So do go and pre-order it. Get your hands on it. You will gobble it up in a matter of days. It is so readable. And, you know, when the film comes out, you can look forward to watching that too and see who plays yeah, Natasha. Yeah, seeing who gets cast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, as for us, you can find us um, at Queer Longing on Instagram. We are at Queer Longing on Twitter. And you can email us queerlonging at gmail.com if you have a submission for an author or a book that you would like us to review or an author that you would like us to interview then do get in touch with us that way and if you've got things that you don't agree with or um if you have things that you're living and longing for and you would like to share those then please do reach out to us we always love 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 hearing from you so um i think that's it yeah i think all that's left to say is thank you again so much laura for joining us we hope that you know maybe if there is another book if there's anything else we would have you back on again because you deliver every time and that's what we need <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> and we, we need we need to go for the the trifecta yeah the triple mm. Mm. absolutely yeah um yeah so thank you again and uh thank you all for listening and we will be loving you leaving you and longing for you until next time bye, bye. is this better it's immediately better isn't it I think it is yeah. let's let's ask us questions really quickly favorite color <laughs> blue green <laughs> like, okay. you don't need to know me I'm right here <laughs> I was asking Laura <laughs> no I'm so it's nice that for everyone to answer thank you <laughs> right I really like green <laughs>